and welcome to the Lost World Minute, a minute-by-minute minute podcast for the only seven sequels Jurassic Park, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. Today we're here to discuss Minute 33 of the Lost World. Dave, how you doing? Good, good. I uh, recently went on a short hiking trip with some friends to a little place, not, it's, it's more east, it's more east of me than it is south of me, but a couple miles south, it's called Starp Rock in Illinois. Well, we didn't actually go there. We went to a place about a mile down called Matheson. And it's got these great bluffs and canyons in it. And it looks like something straight out of the Lost World novel. It has these high cliffs and with boulder, high sandstone cliffs and then boulders. And the trees at the bottom, they look exactly like the Raptor Ravine as described in the second novel. Yeah, you didn't even have to... Uh... When you put the photos up online, you didn't even have to describe what they were. They just looked like it. Uh-huh. Some, some beautiful beautiful country there. Yeah, so that's pretty much exactly how I imagine that chase in the novel. That they go When they go down the ravine all the way to the end with the, ra- with the um, little cove where they find the raptor's nest. Yeah. Because that's how... The, I didn't get the pictures there because... There's a lot of families, and I kind of like go more for the isolationist look. Yep. But um, they have the exact kind of coves there, too, where there's just overhanging cliffs and deep al- caves and alcoves, and it looks exactly as it's described in the novel. So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> yeah. No, there are some great pictures that come out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's always, it's always great when you can sort of find that... Uh, that type of environment. Yeah, visualization. Yeah, yep. Mommy! Daddy! You've got to come see this! I found something! Before we get into today's minutes, we've got some uh, feedback. Um, yes, we did. We got an email a couple of weeks ago. I was going to save it for uh, the area film that he wanted to bring up, but uh, Nick... Not, not Nick Van Owen. <laughs> Nick Van... Uh, I'm going to say Truen... Uh, emailed us, he loved the show um, via the YouTube channel, that's where he watches it, or listens to it, and one of his favourite moments is the uh, the baby T-Rex at the end in the cargo hold, um, and that whole scene, which is a great scene, and we will certainly get to it and talk to it, mm-hmm. uh, talk talk a bit more about it when we get there, but uh, thanks Nick for uh, the feedback there, and it's good to see there are some people uh, watching slash listening on the YouTube channel, it is an easy way to uh, catch a show. And then uh, the end of last week, I think it was Friday, um, uh, Lorenzo Nava um, commented on the Facebook page with um, when uh, Ian stand in front of the monitors in the minutes we've been talking about, and uh, mm-hmm. as Kelly as he shunts Kelly away mm-hmm. and she says it's a height restriction in the amusement park. There's a shot, it's a single shot of a 3D map of Isosauna on one of the monitors. Mm-hmm. Um, we hadn't really noticed it before because later on that monitor is used for the uh, exterior night vision camera, wherever that's yeah. set up. I would love to be able to get the ILM files on that map just because it would be so helpful to just study. I love. I have a, a little. It's not really a hobby, but I do have a love for maps and especially the ones that we see in the Jurassic Park series. Yeah. And so. I would love to be able to see that 3D representation of Isla Sorna, just because we get the um, false color, I think, the false infrared, no, it's like, I can't remember, it's like a false infrared or false color image of 
Isla Sorna on Hammond's computer. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of the best map we have of Isla Sorna right now that's not also on the trailer's map. But that 3D map right there would be awesome to see, and we only, and we unfortunately only get to see it in this one uh, shot. Yeah, yeah, and it's not even sort of um, showing a map of the island, sort of low at water's, at water's eye level. Looking at the mm-hmm. shore, looking at the shoreline, so it hasn't, um, the map hasn't spun to reveal the entire island, but yeah, um, the only way you can really tell that it is is because it shows that south bay, that big giant bay that's at the south end of Isla Sorna. Yeah, and it's sort of got that topographical color to it, where mm-hmm. um, down low is a darker green, and as you get up towards the top of the mountains, it goes to a yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that was a great spot on the. Uh, Lorenzo's part, and a big thanks to him for pointing that out because it took us on a little bit of a uh, white rabbit rabbit hole, um, just with the whole communication area. Uh, looking at some high high def pictures that we could above one of the radio, above the radio. There's a little tag or a sticker that says uh, mobile field systems, and a, that's right. And a that's uh, right. barcode, oh, not a barcode, but a uh, like a model number, which I've googled and can't find anything of, which is probably made up, but at this point, up until now, 20 years after the film's come out, there's been no reference to Fawn, Fawn Field Systems, or Mobile Field Systems in the uh, in the film canon whatsoever. Now, mm-hmm. in the uh, in the pre-San Diego script, it's not... I can't recall if it is or not. I think it is. Yeah. And it uses a lot of that imagery from the second novel in that earlier script. For example, the um, office is described on the first floor. Yeah. He's Eddie gets Thorn's lines about being um, strong but light and stuff like that. Which is weird because that's all that's all from a later scene where they're trying to um, set the baby's leg. Mm-hmm. Yet it's brought forward and used for exactly the same, um, or used for setting up the high hide with the leg struts and that. So mm-hmm. um, it was just interesting to be able to turn his words around. Mm, that's right. In the, in the script, there's also in Eddie's shop they have these struts to put the uh, they have put to put the high height on the scaffolding, 15 foot tall scaffolding, like they do in the novel. But Eddie's not able to finish it in time, so they just don't bring it. Yeah, yeah, and that's I don't know if we mentioned it when we uh, were talking about the the RV to start with, but uh, in that concept art, there's actually bridging equipment. On the uh, mm-hmm. on the on the roof of the rear trailer as well, like a lot of storage containers with uh, bridging yeah, equipment and stuff like that, and just having to deal with uh, any situation when they get to the island. Because um, mm-hmm. it's one thing about sauna, we have not seen a single road yet, and we never we never do. No, not in the movies we don't, which is kind of a shame because I li- I do like that part in the novel where they stumble on these old kind of beaten up, almost almost entirely overgrown roads, and that it was always kind of added to the abandonment feel of the second novel. Yeah, well, uh, Bryce tweeted that photo um, a couple of weeks ago of that like long roadway overgrown with, yeah, the, with yeah. the smoke. Um, and it, it reminded me of something exactly like from the novel where should they just turn that corner they're going to see the roof of this Two football field across uh, structure. Yeah. As as described in the novel. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, there's like there's roads when I go into the bush up here. There's roads where just the they're not used that often, and the the bush is growing back. Um, mm-hmm. You got you got foliage and that slapping your mirrors, and it, it's described just like that in the novel where the the foliage is regrown all the way back into the uh, to the road, and they like it's, it's scraping along the side of the RVs, and mm-hmm. um, it's just so tight. There's no, there's no real space to uh, to be open. Mm-hmm. There's a spot down state, uh, down state, that my father and I used to go camping at. They had a road that, in order to get to it, you had to go up this road. That described exactly just like that. The foliage slapped against the side of the truck. The um, sometimes you even when we first got there, there was a down tree that we'd have to take care of because. It was this guy's property that we knew, and yep. he just let us camp back there. Yep. Well, all that said, it's whether it's a heavy rain event, a storm, you always get trees come mm-hmm. down as well. Um, mm-hmm. We know Eddie's got the winch on the front of the M-Class, so that could, uh, even though the trail was leading the charge, which probably shouldn't happen, you'd want the small lighter vehicle going ahead. Um for that one scene we get of them driving up the grassy plain but mm-hmm. um, before we leave the uh, communication centre also uh, in the previous minute I thought it was uh, like wave files playing on the centre monitor um, because especially re-watching it you can still hear that ambient noise um, mm-hmm. which is really loud but uh, no on closer inspection it's a SATCOM display there's two there seems to be two satellite channels or feeds open um, to the trailer whether one of them's linked through the uh, mobile device that Malcolm had and couldn't get to work. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting, that's the only computer monitor which would be showing that... Uh, oh, I don't even know what it would be back then. It would be before MP4s. Yeah. Um, but the other two monitors are TV monitors. Now, Famously in Jurassic Park, a lot of that computer stuff you see in the control room wasn't actually being generated by computers in the control room. They had a whole second yeah. area set up offset where they were just sort of feeding computer mm-hmm. information to those screens to make it look like Arnold and that were doing stuff. Um, yeah, really what they just, what it said, I think they probably did was um, they just set up a B-roll for about uh, for about a minute or so and then just rolled the camera for a minute and just used that B-roll put it on a VHS and stuck it in yeah. on a floppy disk or something and, and then just played it on the on the security monitors. Yeah. Yeah, well, the two the two either side of it are t- pretty much TVs or monitors used in the security offices and that, which, um, especially later on when we see the, um, the outside night vision, again, yeah, as you said, that could be a 30-second shot that they just put on a loop on a VHS and had it playing, especially the uh, the radar one on the left because it's um, mm-hmm. it's pretty much only four, like four stills merged together of the uh, cloud cover going across the island, so that's staggery. Mm-hmm. We, get a, we get a shot uh, when Kelly's actually going in and walking up through the trailers of those two with the, uh, I think they're the test line, test colour but lines, like the test bars, nor when a, um, a channel... TV station or something goes off the air, you get that colour circle. Um, They're actually on those two monitors when Kelly's walking up. There's no feed into Mm -hmm. them yet. 
Um, yeah, that's right. That was just something I found interesting anyway. Mm-hmm. Looking into all that little back stuff. So yeah, thanks, thanks guys for the feedback. We uh, do appreciate it. We uh, do like to talk about it on the show. So if you want to leave us any feedback, uh, either through email or uh, mm-hmm. Instagram or the Facebook page, just uh, post it up. We um we normally record on a weekend, so if you notice something coming up in an upcoming minute you want to discuss and you want us to talk about as well, let us know and we'll uh we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. We've just uh just gone over two hundred likes on the Facebook page. Um Oh, I forgot to mention we got up to six hundred likes on the um on Instagram. Wow, that that is flourishing. <laughs> that is really Yeah. Alright. Um so that's it. You ready to get into minute thirty-two? No. Yeah. I got stopped. Go. <laughs> minute thirty-three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. As we ended minute thirty-two of the Lost World, Sarah Harding's telling Malcolm that she'll be back in five or six days. Malcolm replies, "No, you'll be back in five or six pieces." As we start minute thirty-three, Sarah raises her voice and says, "What bothers you is I'm not afraid of this place, and you are." Aaron replies, of course I am, that's the whole thing. At 32 minutes and 3 seconds, Kelly walks to the rear of the trailer and starts picking up her rubbish. A dull rumbling can start to be heard, coming from outside. She turns to Malcolm and Sarah and asks, well hey, what's that sound? At 32 minutes and 11 seconds, as the drums start, we get a shot of seven helicopters approaching the island, over the cliffs. At 32 minutes and 17 seconds, we cut to outside the trailers. Ian pulling Kelly towards the rear of the trailer, waving at the helicopters, saying, here we go, we can get you out of here on one of these right now. At 32 minutes and 22 seconds, Eddie lowers his binoculars. Says it says engine on the side of the, side of the chopper. Why would Hammond send two teams? Ian runs over to grab the binoculars off Eddie to look for himself. Meanwhile, we get the voiceover from Sarah. Doesn't he trust us? We haven't even started. At 32 minutes and 43 seconds, we get Malcolm's eye view through the binoculars at the side of the Chittok helicopter, with InGen written on the side of it. At 32 minutes and 45 seconds, we cut to an open field. Several vehicles racing off, sending up clouds of dust behind them. At 32 minutes and 47 seconds, we get Ludlow's voice. This is as good a place as any for base camp. I want it up and running in 30 minutes. That's half an hour. Understood? in a condescending tone. At 32 minutes and 57 seconds, we get some camouflage and heading moved to the side to reveal Roland Tembo. He tells Ludlow to cancel the order. And as we end the minute, Ludlow puts his hand over the microphone and asks Roland, what, why? And this ends the 33rd minute of The Lost World. Alright, we get straight into this from uh, minute 32 with uh, Sarah, what Bob is, I'm not afraid of this place, and you are. Um... And I think she's been pretty much putting that forward since we met her. Um, just with her actions and the way she's been acting around Malcolm, just so blasé. Well, not blasé, but walking through the water, mm-hmm. um, chasing the stegosaurs. Like, again, um, I, I think that she's had some danger being there. But um, sort of once you've had the bad, now she's just enjoying the good kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Ian, exactly, that's the whole thing. Like, it's almost a... Um, if they wanted to go more for comedy, he, he could point to his leg and say, you think? <laughs> like, yeah, really. It would be like some kind of a 
the odd couple or something like that. Yeah, know? yeah. But again, it's what those two have been playing off each other since they uh, met back up. Um, Ian's like saying, this place is dangerous, we need to get out of here, and Sarah's not, it's fine. We know what we're doing. Um, yeah. Kelly returns to the rear of the trailer, she's just going all over the place to clean up. Um, yeah. And everyone, yeah, so both her and Sarah have been throwing stuff in the bags and there's still a mess there. One thing I did notice too, where her uh, pillow and that's set up, is on the uh, aluminium checker plate, or diamond plate, on the side of the trail, not on the carpet. So that would have been a cold, hard surface to lay on. Yeah. If that was where she uh, stowed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we get the rumbling rumbling start to pick up. Kelly, what is that? And uh, we get our first shot of the helicopters appear. And um, that sort of trek music, or jungle music, starts to really ramp up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, when I was um, in this area and I went to the Redwoods, I got like a perfect frame-for-frame shot of that ridge that they come over. And what you really don't realize is it looks small in the the movie, but it's really actually, it's this whole other section of land you can actually walk on. There's a trail that goes out to there, and there's some benches you can sit on and look at the ocean out there. And it's really this whole complex overhang of just vines and foliage all kind of just woven into a like a green tunnel yep and another thing i like about um this this minute here is when ian malcolm says uh what you need is a good antipsychotic yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i always tell my friends that when they're freaking out they'll tell them what you need is a good antipsychotic <laughs> <laughs> Now uh, we get a um we get a view of the rear of the trailer here as the helicopters are coming in. Um, IPF spotlights. I got two of them <laughs> that I used to use on my car. Um, that I got around '97 too, so they would have been new then. Um, mm-hmm. Got Eddie and Nick uh, watching the approaching choppers. Nick's taking a couple of photos. Um, Eddie looking up at it through the binoculars. Don't get it. Says engine on the side of the chopper. <laughs> what would Hammond send two teams? Um, mm-hmm. And Ian's looking at the binoculars backwards. Yes, one little flub we got here. <laughs> takes out and looks through them backwards, and then we get his uh, point of view looking up at uh-huh. the um, one of the Chinooks. Yeah, which, of course, then we see it's... Uh, it's um, yeah, it's zoomed in, and so, of course, it's zoomed in, and, like, he's looking for binoculars in the, nor- in the normal sense, but in reality, he's looking at them backwards. Yeah, yep. Yeah, in reality, they should be. It should be a little tiny helicopter. There. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. It reverses the. Um, I'm just going to say it reverses the polarity of the light. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Uh, um, yeah, but he's he's sort of pulling Kelly all over the place, not letting go. Um, Kelly's cut the umbilical dad. Notice the yeah. uh, sat phone still sitting on the bonnet of the M class, which is a good little uh-huh. bit of continuity there. Um, Sarah, doesn't he trust us? We haven't even started. And then, yes, as you said, Ian grabs the binoculars off Eddie and uh, looks through them backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see uh, the Unimog underneath the Chinook transport helicopter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Big InGen on the side in a different logo. This is the first of the um, the written InGen logos we've seen. Just over the, the, like the symbol logo we've got from Jurassic Park. Yeah, um, yeah this is actually written out like how we see it on the... Um... In, on the illuminated sign 
in the engine uh heart in the engine waterfronts complex yeah yeah which um i think has has been discussed sort of around the social medias and maybe um engine had a logo change post jurassic park because i know in um in Jurassic Park 3 at the lab, the logo is different again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which is weird because it's the same exact style that they use in the boardroom. Yeah. And is the same exact style that we see at the worker village is this the Lost World style. Mm. So it's possibly they use a different department logo or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, there might be might be uh, more than one more than one manufacturer or something. Yeah. But it's uh, it's interesting here. There's seven helicopters that are seen on screen. Uh, four Hueys, uh, one in the front, which is probably the leadership team that uh, isn't carrying anything. Uh, second one's carrying a cage, and then we got three Chinooks carrying the three Unimogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all we see approaching the aisle now. In that pre-San Diego script, they've got three C-130 Hercules uh, cargo aircraft bringing in all the uh, all the equipment. But um, mm-hmm. we get it. We get a cut straight away to the game trail where the uh, cars are all starting to get going. Um, we've written, and we've got a motorbike, we've got a Hummer, we've got two Unimogs and two Jeeps just in that single um, or that couple of seconds shot. Yeah, and of course, uh, looking at the Jurassicpedia listing here, they have a listing of the vehicles that they use. They have the Snagger, which is the um, the big uh, what is that? Humvee with the arms that come forward and then blow up the uh, the big blow up pillows yeah, that yep. subdue the Pachycephalosaurus. They have the Unimogs, the and they have multiple um, multiple modified jeeps in multiple varieties too. There's two of the um, two like the ones that Lodlow and Roland ride in, and then a um, Burke rides in another one with his assistant, and then they have an enclosed an enclosed version, and then they have the outrigger version mm. that uh, Dieter and Carter are riding in. Yeah, the sort of the, the one that Ludlow that's in sort of like a convertible with a um, camouflage net on top, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and the other one that Burke's in sort of a, a solid roof. Um, mm-hmm. oh, and of course, and they also have the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of bikes getting around there. Yeah, I suppose we can bring it up here since um, we get our first shot of them. They've always been described as modified Mercedes, um, these Jeeps. Now, um, I always heard they were modified Jeep YJs. Yeah, yeah, because that's what I was going to say, because if these are... I don't think they would have been buying a dozen M-classes and pretty much doing a, um, a, sh- a shell-off customization. No. Um no, these are heavily modified Jeeps of some sort. I think you can see the Jeep logo on the um, on the steering wheel, which is what oh, I read right. on. Yeah. That's what I read on the um, the IMCDB, the yeah. uh, Internet Movie Car Database. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. We can um, we can do a little bit more research in this coming week because we're going to be uh, with these vehicles for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a it's pretty much just a grand up rebuild of the vehicles. Um, oh, they're totally rebuilt. They have the um, they have like roll cages. They complete. It's almost like their army jeep, your classic army jeep, that has been just completely redone. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
the grill gate, the grill gate, and the for a windshield. All uh, the engine's been looks like it's been modified somewhere. You know, the hood definitely has been. They've cut slits into the mm. into the uh, hood so that the engine can breathe better. Yeah, and it's sort of music. Uh, music movie magic makes me wonder um, how practical. Um, whether it's just all painted cardboard attached to a, a vehicle, like it doesn't, it doesn't look like that. But especially here, we get um, a lot of them just taken off. They're yeah, they're going flat out down this game trail, um, uh-huh. which is another interesting thing. Like a unknown terrain, you're just going to go flat out without the ability to stop in a hurry. Yeah, and of course we see them just kind of fly out in the air in the um. Next couple minutes, and then a minute after the next, they just launch into the air. Yeah, yep. Um, they can't. <laughs> they yeah. Oh no, you, we'll get there when we get to the next minute. You can see pieces falling off the front of it as it hits the ground. But um, this is where we get the introduction to Ludlow, Elise Howard. <laughs> Never seen anything he's done previous or after this, so um, he's Ludlow to me. Um, on the radio, talking to someone. This is a good place for base camp. That's first priority when we're done. I want it up and running in 30 minutes. That's half an hour. <laughs> he's just he's just talking to his grunts. He's so condescending too. Yeah. Like I know what 30 I know what 30 minutes is. Okay, I know that's half an hour. You don't need to spell it out for me. Yeah, it's like you dumb soldier. You don't know what. <laughs> don't know how uh-huh. to tell the time. Um, and then of course the introduction to Roland Tembo. Cancel that order. Ludlow, what, why? And we're about to get into that in the next minute. Um, probably one of the best monologues in film history. Yeah. So here we are, engines on the uh, on the island as well. Uh, this doesn't look good. Vehicles racing around everywhere. We haven't uh, seen them go mm-hmm. any, after any dinosaurs yet. Um, but Dave, anything else you want to bring up for a minute 33 before we get out of here? Anything I don't think it can be left to the next minute. Radio. Alright guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook, The Lost World Minute. Twitter, at The Lost World Minute. And Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.